Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 112. You got it. It's Friday, June 25th. Correct. We're here with the second MMA weekend preview show. It's the new norm, people. Get used to it. The same shows in town, but we just tweaked a few things, and now we're Riding higher than ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this <laughs> is going to show what our true vision is for these going forward. This, we got we got Bellator, PFL, UFC, a little bit of everything coming at you on your Friday. Correct. It's a great week to kind of really dig deep into this because there's so much going on in the world of MMA, not only in the octagon, but out of the octagon, too. Not only, like, even the fight announcements aren't, there's not a ton of them compared to uh, last week, but the problem is, I mean, there's just so many big news stories going on along yep. with big fights to talk about. So um, buckle up, get you guys something to drink, something to eat, snack in, snack, snack. I don't in. have food. Though. I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, just get ready to go. But before we kind of dig into all this, you know, I got to catch in with you, Dom, my mm-hmm. friend, my compadre. Yes. yes. How are you doing? I know you said before we start recording, you just had the best round of golf of your life. But why is there a asterisk next to that? Um, tell the well. People. All right, everybody. So this is my third summer golfing, and you know it's a hard sport to get down. It's hard. It's frustrating. Mm-hmm. There's not a more love hate sport in the world than golf. I'm convinced. So last night, swinging the clubs real nice. Oh, even a whole one I knew. Something feels a little better today than other days. And it just kept going and going and going. So we get through eight holes. There's one hole remaining. And I'm on pace for my personal best score. Put the ball in the tee box. I'm waiting for the group in front of us to uh, finish up so we can get in that ninth hole before the sun goes down. And the gentleman that's uh, monitoring the course comes around and says, boys, pick up your ball and bring the carts in. It's time to go home. So with one hole left and the best score of my life on the line, I didn't even get to finish the damn round of golf. No. <laughs> oh, man. So now I have, an eight, I have a scorecard in my trunk with eight holes scored and nothing next to hole number nine. And uh, I'm in pain, sincerely. Now, now I want to let the viewers know, for those of you that are um, golfers or have any sort of interest in golfing, um, Dominic's plan to – counteract this or to get around this is the next time he goes out there and when he gets to the ninth hole whatever score he gets he will count for both that that yes. card and the previous scorecard that is unfinished right now yes. so i want you guys to leave in the comments or leave even a voice message let <laughs> oh, us know oh god <laughs> is is that cheating or not because yes. i say it is but i'm also not a golfer so. but listen people for those of you before you comment if you're watching on YouTube, if you're getting ready to start typing, hold on. Because, listen, if I just leave the scorecard with eight holes and the hole number nine, the big question, going for the personal best score, I can't just leave it blank. I can't do it. I can't find it in my heart, Noah. I'm just trying to get my word in so people agree with me. That's all. Go ahead and comment away now. If you're doing a all voice right. message, please be nice. I think there's one thing we can agree on, though, Dom. What's that? Is that our fight announcements are a little bit somber this week. This is true. Because we start with Kevin Lee. He is out of his scheduled bout with Sean Brady for July 10th, UFC 264. That's the Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier trilogy card. Um, This fight was actually going to be on the prelims. That's how stacked that card is. It's no longer happening. Kevin Lee, apparent ankle injury. Um, It looks like the UFC is potentially looking to reschedule the bout for a couple weeks later, uh, first week of August. So not all is lost potentially on this bout, but um, kind of unfortunate news. And um, I guess if for some reason this bout didn't get rescheduled, which again, all signs seem to point that it will be. Dominic, what would be a potential matchup you see for these two if they had to go their separate ways? Uh, First and foremost, shout out to Kevin Lee. Hopefully he gets recovered. Poor guy goes through so many injuries, it seems like. I had actually just saw a quote this morning before the injury news came out that he was like, yeah, this is going to be a, like a fresh start for me at 170 pounds. Cause he used to cut like 35, 40 pounds to get the lightweight. He said, he just can't do it anymore. 
So a 15 pound extra helper there at 170 would have been great. Stylistically, that fight was going to be a barn burner, I think, in the grappling realm. And on the feet, that was probably going to be pretty even. Uh, so now, again, hopefully it gets rescheduled for that month later. Leads me to believe it's not too serious of an injury. But if they have to go their separate ways, I mean, I think Kevin Lee could still deserve a 10 through 15 guy because he's still a prominent name. And for Brady, I think he's ranked 14th, 15th in that division. So hopefully he can get someone just a couple spots ahead of him as well. Maybe, just maybe, they would do a Hamzat versus him. I'm not big on that idea because it's two of their best prospects, but right. hopefully that fight just stays put. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the August date, especially if it's on that pay-per-view, that mm-hmm. right now it looks like it's going to need some bumping up because uh, the one of the, the scheduled main event, or at least the planned main event between Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis, looks like it's not going to happen in August. And so now we're – you know, we have Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena, which is a decently exciting fight, I guess. But it, it's not exactly the most stacked card on yeah. paper right now. So a fight like that could really boost it up for fans like us. Um, what I guess I would say is if they do go their separate ways for the time being, one of these guys getting put with Hamzat. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind about that. It's just a matter of which one. Kevin Lee would be the one I would – I didn't even consider that, but that does make sense. Kevin Lee would probably be the more likely one. He's a veteran, kind of proven himself to be – he's fought for an interim belt before at lightweight against Tony Ferguson. So he's a more proven commodity, while Sean Brady is also – the UFC is really trying to build his name up too. So if you put him and Hamzat together, does either Mm -hmm. one really gain much of beating the other right now? Probably Brady more so than Hamzat. Um but regardless, hopefully the bout just kind of stays put, and then we'll get to see it just a couple weeks later. Yeah, uh, A week after that, July 17th, we talked about this on Monday, I want to say. Our headliner got scrapped between Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. We were talking there again at that time. It looks like, again, UFC is trying to rebook this fight. But for at least July 17th is concerned, that bout is not happening Giga Chikadze is not going to be put on there with Yair or anything like that. We do have a fight already on this card bumped to a main event. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, I know that on when you hear those words, it might not uh, sound super promising to a lot of people. But Islam Makachev versus Tiago Moises is a five-round main event. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about this for really the simple reason that we just get to see more of Islam at least – on paper, we get to see more of Islam's game. Yeah. See how he goes and, you know, if he gets battle tested over the course of five rounds with a guy like Tiago Moises, who um, has shown great cardio in the past. And I, I, I think Islam should hold up, but you just don't know. Um, and for his style, that, you know, he, he can finish guys, but it's not necessarily his, uh, he's not a, like, I wouldn't call him a finisher necessarily. Yeah. Uh, if he has to go into rounds four and five, can he really? What's can he hold up and smash for yeah. those championship rounds? And I think uh, it makes me more excited for this fight than even than I was originally. Because originally, not super on board with it. What do you think? Yeah, I actually like this a lot for Tiago because Islam is definitely the bigger name. He's been on the pay per view cards. He's got the hype around him because of Habib. Tiago's the guy that's just kind of. Uh, you know, under the radar type guy, but now he finds himself ranked. He's not only getting a main event slot, he gets to go five rounds for the first time. The biggest name of his resume so far, potentially in Islam. I love that they promoted this to a main event, two top 15 guys that again, aren't superstars, but it's going to showcase the future talent of what this division can hold. That's why I love it so much. And it's something different. It's not just like, Oh, okay. We need a fight night with two really big names. And then we'll just, do whatever on the rest of the card. This is two prospects headlining a card, and then it's going to be filled by more prospects. So I love the idea kind of behind this, and I'm all on board for it being five rounds. Yeah, good point. We're going to transition into some PFL news now because one of the best women's boxers in the world turned MMA athlete, Clarissa Shields. She made her debut not too long ago in the PFL uh, after kind of fighting through some early adversity, yeah. she got a nice TKO win in the third round over Brittany Elkin. She is now scheduled for her second professional MMA bout against to be TBA, announced. Yes, <laughs> the notorious TBA. Yes, 
on August 27th. Now, I think this is probably more newsworthy than maybe a lot of people are realizing. I personally thought she was going to take another boxing fight before she would come back to MMA, mm-hmm. considering that is ultimately where she is best suited for her skill set. Right. Considering she has such a high pedigree in that sport, I figured she would go back um, and take another boxing fight. However, she's doubled down yeah. on MMA here. So I think that speaks a lot for maybe how serious she's taking this, how much she wants this, wants to improve and get better. Um, don't know who the opponent's going to be. I would assume it's not going to be, you know, Kayla Harrison. Or right. Like no that. one so, from the tournament. Yeah. Right. So uh, what do you think here? Uh, just that she's kind of double downing on MMA. I love that she's going boom. Two months later, get me another fight. It's kind of going to play out to just be one long training camp, essentially. Yeah. Because her fight was June 10th. Now it's going to be August 27th. Again, TBA. I do love the fact, too, I saw this, that the first round of the PFL playoffs um, would play out on August 27th, or at least one of the events will be that day. And that would be the winner of the PFL fight we're going to break down. So potentially having Kayla and Clarissa Shields on the same card, not fighting each other, but on the same card, that'd be a huge deal for the PFL in terms of promotion-wise, getting more eyes on their organization. But I like this move for Clarissa. It really shows her dedication. I think she truly loves this grind and wants to get better. And we get to see her back in there sooner rather than later. Yeah, maybe it speaks a little more that uh, to you know to us to people on the outside looking in. You know, we tend to think that all these fighters care about is like the money, mm. things like that. And for Clarissa, this is something different. This is uh, this is more about that competitive spirit, that competitive drive to be the best. And um, right now, she recognizes that she has to keep getting better and better, stay yeah. active in the sport if she really wants to get to the top. And um, I just admire that a lot, you know, because obviously there's probably a bigger check waiting for her in a boxing ring that she would probably for less of a challenge. Yeah, less of a challenge. And that's that's probably the big thing is like the challenge of it all. You know, she probably feels like maybe she's kind of reached her ceiling as a boxer. Mm -hmm. While MMA, she's basically at the floor right now looking up. So uh, I definitely admire that quite a bit. So I'm definitely and I agree with your sentiment about her and Kayla on the same card. I, I hope that the, if they if that does happen, the PFL doesn't get a little too cheeky with uh, maybe planting some seeds for a potential fight down uh, the line. I yeah. just think that they're too far away <laughs> yeah. right yeah. now for that fight to ever happen, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But for promotional purposes. That'd be a huge the, card. The PFL has really wanted me over. Um, it, it took a, There's a learning curve to it, even yeah. more so than probably the other it's major organizations. You know, they're, they're a lot different, and I, I think that's why I – like them so much and why they kind of stick out to me. And I truly think they can be a player in the realm of MMA yeah. just because of how different they are. And, you know, a lot of people seem to be buying in, including the fighters. There's a lot of big name fighters kind of starting to sign off, come over. Um, uh, shout out PFL. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for our fight announcements. And uh, Dom, have you ever uh, seen a movie called the Sandlot? Okay. Well, if you're going to put me on the spot like this live on recording, I've oh. never, listen, listen. Oh I've God. never seen the Sandlot from start to finish. That was, that was supposed to be a layup. I, we were supposed to have some banter right there. I thought I was, <laughs> you're kidding me. I'm you not kidding. Oh, we're going to get, I'm going to get blasted. Oh boy. Start oh, to finish. Oh. I've seen clips. Okay. All but right. uh, go ahead and paint the picture if you want. Well, you <laughs> totally threw off what I was going to do right there. But all right, let's let's train. Let's uh, let's, I don't know what we're going to do. We're just going to figure it out. So, so in that movie, yeah, there is a okay. scene, okay, where the young boy, the the main character, I believe his name is um, Smalls, is what they call him in the movie. You know, you're killing me, Smalls. You've heard that. I'm before, killing right? you right now. Yes. yes, you're killing me right now. Uh, so he he has a dream. And in that dream, the ghost of, uh, I believe, I, I, now I'm starting to forget. You're making me forget over here. I'm so sorry. I believe the ghost of Babe Ruth. That would make sense. Up, uh, because he, what ends up, the point of the movie, what happens is they lose their ball over the fence where the, the neighbor's dog. A is killer really, dog. Yeah, real nasty. So he goes and grabs his ball on his stepdad's uh, shelf or whatever his case. 
Well, it turns out it's signed by Babe Ruth. And this kid has no idea who Babe Ruth is. He's so new to baseball. He's like you, you know, because yeah. obviously you're not a true fan of baseball if you don't know the Sandlot. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, they hit it over the fence, and they're like, he's like, yeah, it's signed by this uh, girl, Baby Ruth. And they all start freaking out. So Babe Ruth, the ghost of Babe Ruth shows up in his dream. He says, remember, uh, or no, maybe he's in the room of uh, Benny Rodriguez. It doesn't matter. The lot here's the point of what I was trying to get at. You have thrown me off. Completely. I'm so sorry. He says, Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. And you know who who paid really close attention to that line? Two guys by the yeah. name of Fedor Emilianenko and Rashad Evans. I can't believe you just made me that that terrible setup right there, just for that one headline. Oh, legends man. never die. Oh, so hmm. all right. Let's, <laughs> let's regain here. Let's start with what we know less about, and that's okay. going to be Fedor Milianenko, uh, the 44-year-old Bellator uh, currently contracted fighter. Um, he's a legend of MMA, probably the best fighter. I think it's no question he's the best fighter of all time to never fight, fight in the UFC. UFC. Yeah. Um, you could even make an argument that he's the best, even if you take that down. I, I think he's really left such an impact pride fc he was king there um however he's a little more battle tested at this point again he's 44 years old um he is coming off a win against rampage jackson in december yeah. 2019 however um we haven't seen him since and i think covid played a big part in that because the point for uh i guess fedor was that he's planning to retire again however he wanted to kind of have this mini retirement tour in front of fans Ah. And then, you know, there's no fans due to right. COVID. So he's it's kind of delayed everything it's, for him. So I think a lot of people assumed he was retired again already. And maybe he even said he is. I'm not sure. But um, it, he's back. And he's targeting an October return. No opponent in mind right now. But I'm curious, Dom, maybe, you know, what what's going on here? You know, this is a 44-year-old coming out of retirement for an MMA fight. Yeah. While for Rashad Evans, former UFC champion, who had retired a couple of years ago after really having a string of tough losses, being knocked out cold against guys like Anthony Smith, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that, he announced he's coming out of retirement to pursue a boxing fight yes. with Roy Jones Jr., among other names. So yeah, these legends, I don't know if the headline should be Legends Never Die or These Legends don't want to die. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, so what are your thoughts on these two, um, both in different promotions, but taking different paths in their returns? Is there any interest in either one of their return bouts for you? Uh, well, I'll say both guys kind of, you know, went out in different areas because Fedor went out with a win over a huge name in Rampage Jackson in Bellator, whereas Sugar Rashad, he really finished off with a skid and was getting KO'd and – some of them were kind of some nasty ones, man, including the ones like Anthony Smith. So I don't doubt for one second that Sugar Rashad still has uh, some gas in the tank, but to pursue a boxing match is kind of a different route, man, because he was never known to have, like, the greatest of hands. He was just a super well-rounded, tough guy, great wrestler, good yeah, stand-up, good kid. is what I remember about Yeah, so it's kind of odd that he wants to pursue it, but you look at what all these other MMA guys are doing in boxing matches – getting going in, making a huge paycheck. I don't know. I mean, he's doing the commentary stuff for the UFC pre- and post-fight, and he's been great at that. So maybe he just wants to try his hand at something different, has some competitive edge left. For Fedor, maybe he never truly officially retired. So maybe it's one last two Raj you mentioned, one more fight with fans, so on and so forth. Um, but 44 years old, Rashad probably 40 now, I'd say. I don't know. I have his age in front of me, but both guys clearly – toward the end of their athletic careers, but we'll see what happens. I mean, for Fedor, I wouldn't be surprised one bit, though, should Bellator bring him back. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still a huge name. I don't know if he's in their rankings. I doubt he is, but he's going to have a bigger name than 97% of the other Bellator heavyweights. So. It's true. It's a good point. I guess um, even though Fedor is the older fighter of the two, I feel more okay with his return, even though he's mm -hmm. returning to the more dangerous sport in MMA. Yeah. How, but the problem is, is that for him, he's as far as I can remember. Yes, he's been KO'd, you know, but um, nothing too brutal 
I guess. You know, he's had some tough losses. He did get uh, KO'd by uh, Ryan Bader. Yeah. I believe that was the finals of the heavyweight Grand Prix in about 30 to 40 seconds. So, I mean, the tough losses, sure, towards the end here. But, um, you know, overall, he's still been at least somewhat competitive. You know, he's yeah. still a very good fighter, I would say. For Rashad Evans, man, I'm just – and this is a lot of it's because I just – I like the guy, right? You know, yeah. He left such an impact on the UFC that I kind of hate this. I really do. And, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit – maybe I shouldn't think this way because – I probably would have said something similar if we had talked about Anderson Silva talking about doing the boxing fight, if we had really talked about it in this capacity on the show. Um, And yet look at what just happened with Silva, man. He went out there and looked amazing, amazing. And we're all like, so happy for him. Happy. He did it, all this stuff. So I guess for Rashad, you know, I'm, this has got to be some sort of money's got to be a factor in this, right? Because, you know, obviously MMA is his sport. So instead of coming back to MMA, he's going to boxing where right. you think he might be able to make a better check. Um, I don't I don't think about what Roy Jones Jr. is going to happen. I really think for Roy Jones at this point, if he doesn't take an Anderson Silva fight, he's done. Yeah, um, I don't know if Rashad is a big enough name to like tickle the interest of any of these older boxers right. like Anderson yeah. is, you know. Yeah, we did. I, we didn't talk about it, but like Vitor Belfort is going to yeah. have a uh, boxing match with Oscar De La Hoya. So, like, you're starting to see this. And, you know, I, I don't know if I would have thought that Vitor would be big enough to get someone like De La Hoya. True. So, I guess if you look at it like that, maybe Rashad Evans does have a chance to kind of get one of these older boxers. And, you know, maybe maybe we'll talk about it depending on how the – I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Yeah. It's just I, I, don't, I don't feel good about it. It was very random. Especially, and I think the biggest difference for him is just the way his UFC career ended. Finish, yeah. I mean, brutal finishes after brutal finishes. He had so many injuries that played yeah. the end of his career. I mean, that's really what kind of cut the legs off of his prime, really, yeah. was injuries. And, you know, it, he's a he's an old 40, if that's how old he is, you know. So um, it's just not something I'm too excited about, but – We'll see what happens, right? right. We'll see if he gets oh, out, and hopefully he just is happy. You know, hopefully he finds some sort of um, happiness with it. Put right, it right. So moving on from that, um, we had a little bit of uh, we've talked about this a few times on our show about Luke Rockhold and how he has been really kind of looking for fights or looking. Or, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, we talked about it on uh, like our uh, Reddit roundtable, stuff like that. It uh, doesn't seem like he's having much luck. You know, he, for Luke, we know about the losses he's had, the string of losses. You know, it's mm. well documented. Um, he's a very polarizing fighter. Susceptible chin. Yeah, that's kind of been, you know, that's what everybody jokes with him about. I get it. I get it. However, you got to think the guy's still a very talented. Fighter. He was a stud, man. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he was the complete package when he won the title, and I know. Yeah. He got KO'd by Bisping. He got KO'd by um, Romero. Romero, and then he got KO'd by Blahovich. But you really look at like, yeah, the the Bisping one. You know, that was an old Michael Bisping, but like he got caught. You know, it happens. Yeah, on short Romero, notice. Romero is a killer. Yeah, and Blahovich, we've seen Look what at Blahovich him now. Has done. At that time, that was like the start of Blahovich's like rise, the Polish power, you know, all that. Yeah, he broke his jaw, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. in that. Yeah. Moment. So that was when Rockhold tried to make a move to light heavyweight. It looks like he's coming back down the middleweight. Um, however, he can't seem to find a fight. Um, apparently, two different dates were uh, he signed on for Hamzat Chemayev. However, Hamzat has apparently declined both of them, citing he wanted to stick at 170 pounds. Mm-hmm. So who's Luke going to fight, man? He's looking for a fight right now. He's, but who's he going to get? You know, he's still a big enough name similar to kind of what we mentioned uh, earlier with Kevin Lee and such that he can easily still fight a top 15 guy, like without question. And I think he still matches up really well with a lot of those ranked guys. Luke, is a phenomenal grappler with good stand-up, and he's just a super well-rounded guy. Yes, the chin is susceptible, 
but now he's had a lot of time off. That can help a lot when recovering your chin, your brain, not taking as much damage. He uh, switched over training camps and such. He's over there at like RVCA or whatever it's called in California, has trained with Michael Bisbing, McKenzie Dern. They've got a very stellar camp there. So I would like to see this newer, well-rested version of Luke Rockhold test himself hopefully sometime late summer, early fall against the top 15, maybe even a top 10 uh, middleweight opponent, Noah. He said, I want a top middleweight. Yeah. And he wants it by the end of the summer. Do I think he's going to get both? Maybe not. I think he can get one of those two demands. He can either fight before the end of August or he can fight a top middleweight, but it's yeah. probably not going to be until a little later in the fall. So I don't know who it would be. Perhaps he can toss his name in the hat with um, – one of these bouts in August, maybe one of these mm-hmm. losers uh, of potential bouts like uh, Derek Brunson, Darren Till. Yeah. Um, you got Ga- If Gastelum loses his next bout, I think that would be, be a good great fight, fight uh, for Rockle to return to. For a guy like Gastelum who's been struggling a little bit, you know, over the past couple of years. Well, and I still like what you and I discussed a couple of weeks ago. Jack Hermanson potentially welcoming yes. him back in. Uh, yes, be I awesome. forgot about that. I love the idea of him versus Jack Hermanson. Yeah. Hermanson, a bit more on the specialized side compared to many of fighters in the UFC. You know, he's quite good in his grappling and submissions, um, not as adapted on the feet. While Luke Rockhold, when he left the sport, was very much a complete package MMA yeah. fighter, uh, really just deadly everywhere. However, you know, it's it appears at this point, while his stand-up offensively is still potentially really good, I don't know if his defense and his stand-up can really withstand even the slightest of shot. And maybe right. his his the whole argument of him having a lack of a chin is a bit overblown, but the results speak for themselves. He's mm-hmm. getting caught in these fights and getting put out. Well, I mean, when your jaw literally gets broken, you know, it's not good. Yeah, these aren't TKOs. These are KOs. Yeah. And yeah. I, that's, that says something, right? Yeah. Um, so I definitely agree. Jack Romanson, it's a great fight. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. But now we're just going to kind of transition, I think, into some of the big fights going on around the MMA world this weekend. Yes, Friday, sir. we got a doubleheader. Woo. Starting with PFL six and our main event sees She's our back. best friend. Our best friend. Our, our, our neighbor, Kayla Harrison. She's looking for win number 10 that put her in double digits, as the headlines suggest. And she's trying to do it against Cindy Dandois. Yeah. You had to look that up before this podcast. This is true. We gotta get uh, the pronunciations right. And you know what? I'm going to just say this, even though I still, you know, we're, we're definitely going to be pro Kayla here. We're going to, we definitely see Kayla winning this fight. I don't think there's any question about that. I'm sure 99% of you listening think she's going to win this fight. However, out of her opponents she's had so far, Cindy Dandrois might be the most accredited that she's been given. You compare her to some of these other names, some of these records she's went up against. Cindy Dandrois has experience in the UFC She's got a Bellator fight, and she's 16-6. and six. She's a bit more experienced than a lot of women's fighters at this point that aren't in the UFC. And, um, you know, do I think she's going to win? No. She is a black belt in judo, by the way, so that's kind of funny. We get a – Yeah. But there is levels, and I'm sure we'll this find that out. But, um, yeah, what do you think of this fight and of her opponent, Cindy Dandrois? Yeah, man. I mean, Kayla Harrison, 9-0, and 8-0. You know, in the PFL, one of them came that one off in Invicta last year. She's looked nearly untouchable. She's a minus 2,000 betting favorite. We're not a betting podcast, but that's a pretty damn big <laughs> favorite. Uh, but, yeah, Cindy Dandois, very experienced, 16-6. and six. She's finished uh, 13 of those uh, wins. So it's a big test, I think, for Dandois, clearly. But it may just be the most complete fighter that Kayla's gotten in the uh, cage with so far in her young career. Can she make it 10 and 0? Can she advance perfect record into the playoffs? This is the last fight, of course, um, in their regular season. I have the points here. So Kayla is technically in second place right now. She's got six points in the uh, lightweight standings. And then Cindy is actually in seventh place out of 10. She lost her first fight of the regular season. So she currently is uh, zero points. 
So she has to come in and not only win, but to potentially even look to finish Kayla just to make the playoffs. So very tough task ahead for Cindy, but we've seen upsets happen before. This would be quite the upset, Noah, if I do say so. If I, if you want to play devils, you know, if we want to do a little devil's advocate here, based on what you just kind of said, she's in seventh place, zero points, is going to need not only a win over the most dominant women's fighter fighter in general in the PFL. Yeah. But she might need a finish. A finish, yeah. You're going to see, I would assume, the best version of Cindy D'Angelo. Yeah. And perhaps someone with reckless abandonment, someone who really is not looking to go in there and protect herself. She is only going in there to look to pummel her opponent and Kayla Harrison. So with that kind of motivation, you never know. We've Crazier things have happened yeah. in combat sports. However, I, you're not going to see me say much else in her favor. I mean, again, black belt in judo, but she's going up against a literal two-time Olympic, Olympic gold medalist in yeah. judo. Yeah. So, you know, her, her greatest skill set is going to pale in comparison to her opponent, which is just – and that's a great skill. To, I mean, that's, that's very accredited, black belt judo. That's great. Yeah. You don't see a lot of – I mean, really, she is You don't very, see it. For, for – for the, the opponents Kayla Harrison has had, she is very much a high-level opponent yeah. for her at this time. But again, it's just the it's a bad matchup for her, I think. As yeah, man. as most women, but you know, for Kayla, you gotta be thinking like, what a matchup I'm getting right here. Just someone who whose greatest skill I am way better at than that's just the way I look at it right now. Yeah. Otherwise, you though, you're always you always gotta be sorry, not to cut you you're off. You're good. You gotta be excited about seeing Kayla get back in there. She's a complete star for this promotion and uh, doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Yeah. And looking to continue her star power again, this is kind of that last year for her on that contract by the end of the year, she may not even be in the PFL anymore. So she's just going to keep trying to rack up wins, rack up the money and uh, go into free agency with that perfect uh, record next to her name and millions of dollars in the bank. I can't wait to see Kayla fight again, but Noah, there's quite a big name in the co-main event slot too on uh, Friday evening, isn't there? Yes, you make a great point there, and it tells a completely different story. Yes. The fan favorite UFC veteran Anthony Pettis makes his return in the co-main event against Raj Manfio on Friday night. And the big question I have for you, it's a little bit dramatic in our headline, but I'll still, for our for our audio listeners, I'll still say it. Within a perspective. Are, are the lights getting dim for Showtime? And let me rephrase it now that I've gotten those words out of here. So, Dom, for Anthony Pettis, he lost his debut in the PFL, a fight he was very much expected to win, considering former UFC champion, coming off a win in his last bout in the UFC. Yeah. Yes, he's yes, he's not the, the championship-level fighter he was back in 2014, 2015, but still a very game fighter, a very good top 15-level guy and across mm-hmm. really three different divisions over the course of his career. Yeah. And he loses his debut, and he loses it pretty decisively outside of kind of a Hail Mary. Yeah, the last minute got interesting. But yeah, yeah. So what this question is really asking, Dom, is does Anthony Pettis have much left? And are we going to see it here against Rosh Manfio, who on paper is not the level of opponent that Anthony Pettis is used to fight. I mean, he's and by all accounts, he should win this fight, but how much motivation is left for Showtime at this point? I mean, if you're Pettis, you're coming to make a statement because you have to, again, kind of in a similar place as uh, Cindy, he's ninth place right now out of 10, zero points in the tournament so far. He's not only going to have to come in and win, he's going to have to look for a finish and maybe even an early finish to maximize those point totals. But a guy like Roush, who's 12-3, and three, he's finished a lot of his fights. He's sitting in third place. He won his first fight of the tournament, so he's got a total of three points. He's riding momentum. Anthony, on the other hand, complete opposite. He got kind of styled on in his first fight in the PFL that I don't think many people expected. Um, Granted, his opponent, Cassius Clay Collard, very good opponent and very tough. Everybody just kind of thought Anthony would get it done, but to get just kind of dominated outside of one minute of that fight, Maybe it is showing the lights are truly dim for Anthony Showtime Pettis. I think he is going to come out with a chip on his shoulder, look to make a statement. This is a guy that when he first signed with PFL, he said, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do good in the 155-pound tournament. 
Then in the following year, I'm going to do the 170-pound tournament. So a guy that has his future laid out in mind for the PFL, but should he lose here, he may not, may not even get a fight again the rest of the year if he gets put out of the tournament. So it's a very important fight for Anthony, to say the least. This fight really does come off to me like all or nothing right here. I mean, if he loses this fight, not only are you talking kind of an embarrassment for his career and also kind of some sort of some ways an embarrassment for the PFL. And that's a big hit for them, yeah. So this is a has to has to be a win for Anthony Pettis here. And I don't know what it was in that last bout. If you recall maybe a little better than I do in that fight, Dom, what was it about that fight that really, you know, again, Clay Collard, good opponent, but what did what kind of game plan did he execute that was so effective? Because really Anthony outside of, again, kind of a, a spark in the very last minute of round three basically showed us nothing in that fight. I mean, it was all collared on the feet, which is so crazy because mm-hmm. Anthony is like the highlight real guy. He's called mm-hmm. Showtime for the crazy shit he's done in the stand-up game. And Clay just put together a complete performance, really. Even in the terms of the grappling, Clay took advantage of. He dropped Pettis twice in that fight on the feet once with like a nasty knee to the face or it was a head kick. I can't remember exactly how it happened up near the cage, but it was just Clay controlled the fight. It was his pace, and Pettis simply just had no answers, really. Yeah. It's – yeah, I mean, that's that's basically the, that's the only way you can really describe it, right? And For him to be so – I guess for it to be one so one-sided on the feet, Anthony Pettis may be a bit style over substance sometimes in his striking – um, he is showtime for a reason. Uh, you see the highlight reels for him, but maybe sometimes he he maybe doubles down on that a little too far to a point where it kind of hurts his overall game plan and what he really should be doing. Um, I don't know. I, I hope that see him bounce back here, but, you know, for all we know, Ross Manfield is going to come in here and do the same thing. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I said there's motivation, extra motivation for Anthony Pettis. Roush Manfio is looking to come in and get the biggest win of his life right now. I mean, he's 12-3. and three, He's got a good record. He's five years younger than Anthony Pettis. He's only 29. He's coming off of wins. He's looking to just make a statement, rack up a huge name, and work his way into that tournament. Maybe he's the one fighting for a million dollars at the end of the year. I think there's just as much motivation on the um, Manfio side as there is for Pettis. Well said. We're going to transition here into – Bellator, I was looking it up because I couldn't remember. I believe it's Bellator 260. 261, yep. 261. So we got our main event. Bellator heavyweights are making history. It's the first ever Bellator interim title. It it's crazy. In the, yeah, I know. It happens in the heavyweight division. Ryan Bader, he's still in the light heavyweight Grand Prix right now. So because of that, Timothy Johnson and Valentin Moldovsky have been brought up to the main event to fight and make history. Yeah. And you know what? For Tim Johnson, got to give him his due here. He's looked really good since he's went to Bellator. And the UFC, a bit of a 500 fighter, a bit of a journeyman over there. You know, that never really was the most exciting fighter in the world, in my opinion. Um, yet in Bellator, he's looked great. He looks to be in better shape. His The power in his hands is even better. And – you know, he's making the most of these opportunities he's been getting. For Valentin Moldovsky, there's a little less known about this guy. Um, definitely got a good re- good record. However, his Bellator resume is not held up compared to Tim yeah. Johnson's. It's just Tim Johnson's fighting very much top-level Bellator yeah. heavyweights. Valentin Moldovsky's yet to really get that win. That would probably, I guess, usually – throw someone into a title fight, you know, that right. like premier win, like a fight like this, I could see if Moldovsky winning, then getting a title shot. Yeah. Instead, because of circumstances, Ryan Bader, not able to compete. Moldovsky's fighting for a title that maybe he shouldn't get, but I'm not going to say much against it because the guy looks really good when he's been in there. Um, I don't know how exciting this fight's going to be, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, stylistically, you don't. Moldovsky's not much of a finisher. Uh, Tim Johnson's been a. 
he can finish a fight. Don't get me wrong. He's got good power in his hands. But um, he also is the type of guy that will just grind out a clinch fest if he has to. His cardio's better in Bellator, but still he's Almost a like a Ben Rothwell guy. Yeah, he's know? a heavyweight at the end of the day. So, I mean, this what are you going to expect, right? Um, but, yeah, I guess the story here for me is Tim Johnson gets an opportunity to really – when he left the UFC, his career was kind of at a at a very low point. Yeah. So this is an opportunity for him to really reach some sort of peak for him. Yes, Bellator is not the UFC, but what a career turnaround that would be for him. Uh, I don't even want to call it a resurgence necessarily because it wasn't even about wins and losses. It's all about – a lot of it's just how you look in the cage and how he – just, I mean, his physique is better. Everything just yeah. looks like he's finally putting it together. And he's got to get through Valentin Moldovsky to do it. It's a bit of a wild card here. What do you think of this main event? Yeah, I mean, we talk about it in the UFC. Might as well talk about it now. Bellator has the new rankings. Timothy Johnson technically number one outside of the champ and Bader. Valentin's number three. Timothy Johnson's on a three-fight win streak. Valentin's undefeated in Bellator. He's on a five-fight <laughs> win streak coming into this. So both guys have plenty of momentum. They have the incentive to get a gold belt wrapped around their waist, interim or not interim. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just both guys can kind of grind it out, quote-unquote, for being heavyweights. Uh, Tim, obviously the better of the two in terms of finishing. He's finished 11 out of 15. Valentin only finished 4 out of 10. But the way younger guy, seven years younger, uh, he's undefeated in Bellator again. A competition not quite up to par with what Tim's faced in terms of overall career, too. I mean, Tim's faced some killers in the UFC as well. But Valentin kind of coming in with the same sort of motivation that we talked about for uh, Rosh Manfio against Pettis at PFL, looking to get the biggest name of his resume. He's a main event spot on Showtime. He gets an interim belt if he wins. I mean, it's a huge deal for the young guy here. Is it going to be too much or the veteran expertise of Tim Johnson play the biggest factor here? That's kind of where I'm leaning more toward in this one. Uh, I think Tim wants to maybe get that rematch with a guy in Bader and potentially become the undisputed champ sometime soon. I guess it would be next year, but still, man, it's it's an intriguing fight. I love when there's heavyweight um, fights with big implications. We're going to talk about another one here in this episode. So I'm excited to see maybe Valentin will shock me and uh, prove uh, everybody wrong. I think the greatest asset for Moldovsky in this fight is his unpredictability, or I guess his um, a bit of he's a bit of an unknown, a bit of a wild card, like I said. So Tim Johnson, being the veteran he is, should come in here and not overlook any part of Moldovsky's skill set. Because, again, it's just a much more limited sample size of uh, action in the cage and whatnot. So he should have that. But we've seen it before when guys get a little too confident. You know, Johnson, three-fight win. At least he's won all three fights in Bellator, I believe. Um, looked really good. Maybe he comes in here with a bit of too big of a head. Moldovsky plays spoiler. It, it's happened before, yeah. and it wouldn't be even as big of an upset. Like it's not even close to as big of an upset as we talked about with Cindy Dandois earlier and Kayla Harrison. So, right. um, even though Tim Johnson's more proven, I think there is something to be said about Moldovsky as a bit a wild card and unknown. Sure, he's number three in the division, but I think that just says more about the lack of real, real mm-hmm. talent in Bellator's yeah. heavyweight division because. He's truly just not – there's not as much on this guy as there is Tim Johnson, and I just – he can use that to his advantage here, I think. But yeah. Tim Johnson, been in there with the best of them. I mean, he's been in UFC before, now Bellator. Um, hard to look against that kind of experience. Our co-main event, though, has a title eliminator for Juliana Velasquez's 125-pound belt she actually has her first title defense coming up yeah so we'll see if she retains and uh, fights the winner of this bout but Liz Carmouche the the former UFC Bantamweight uh, actually fought in the very first UFC women's fight of all time against Ronda Rousey she has a chance here to take her next step in gaining gold in another promotion but she's got to go through one of the scariest fighters in Bellator Women's MMA, and that's Kana Watanabe, who looks like a killer. She looks, she's awesome. I think she's a great fighter, and 
in case you can't tell who I'm kind of favoring here, <laughs> Watanabe just she seems to really just be the right style matchup here for Carmouche to where I see her winning this one pretty easily. Carmouche, older, you know, she's had, you know, she's not the fighter she maybe was six, seven years ago. Right. Still good, but um, I, I just don't really see her being able to pull it off here. What do you think? Yeah, this one's interesting. So Liz is in rank number two, Kana rank number three. She's Liz is 2-0 and since coming into Bellator. Her last fight in UFC, of course, was the title loss to Valentina Shevchenko at 125 pounds. But it's looked good in Bellator so far. Just fought a couple months ago in April. So a quick turnaround. But, man, Kana is literally she's undefeated. She's 10-0 in a, in a one with a draw. So that's undefeated in my book. She's mm-hmm. riding in total an eight-fight win streak. Uh, since that draw, she's finished six out of ten, four of them in the first round, five years younger. I think everything is leaning toward Kana to uh, pick up a win, but Liz, double the experience, been in the UFC, fought for two titles. She's faced some of the best in the world. This is a big, big jump up for Kana. Can she answer the call? That's what I'm going to be interested to see and how she goes about doing it because Liz, a phenomenal grappler, but could be scrappy on the feet too. Curious to see how Khan is going to want to, you know, grind out this win, what her method to victory is going to be. It's a great point. On her. This is a big step up for her. But if she does pass the test and win, I think it's the win she needs to really show that she's ready for Juliana Velasquez or whoever the winner of oh, yeah. her schedule title fight is. So, um, you know, Watanabe, big ceiling here. Can she? This would be a big step in reaching that full potential. And it comes against a very game opponent, I will say. Yeah. So transitioning from there, Saturday night, or not even night, isn't it, at 4 p.m.? Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. Eastern. UFC Vegas 30, correct? Yes. High-level striking takes center stage, Dom, in the heavyweight division. You mentioned it yourself, how uh, UFC heavyweights, big implications here. Yeah. Surreal gone versus Alexander Volkov, two of the best strikers all around in this uh, UFC heavyweight division. And, you know, I would – Surreal God is maybe – in a limited sample size, he has somehow – somehow I feel like in my head he's shown me more in the UFC than Alexander Volkov, who has upwards of 40 professional fights, former Bellator heavyweight champion. Yet, here I am thinking, Surreal God has showed me more. Why is that? Maybe it's because you feel that the ceiling for Gone is just that much higher, man. I mean, we're talking about the undefeated prospect, absolute killer. This is going to be two straight main events. He's 5-0 in the UFC. He's as well-rounded <laughs> as they come. He's got three KOs, three submissions, and three of those have came in the first round. I mean, he can get it done everywhere. He is as elite-level striker as you're going to see as a heavyweight, and I think that truly may just be teetering you a little bit more in Gon's favor. But Volkov, man, tough test. As you said, over 40 fights, 33 and 8 to be exact. And I'm going to say, I feel like his UFC run is somewhat underrated because the guy is 7 and 2 since entering the promotion. I mean, that's pretty solid. And he's had losses to guys like uh, some tough guys, Derek Lewis, who in a fight that he dominated, by the way, the whole time up until the end. I think Curtis his other Blades. loss is Curtis Blades, which just he beats everybody unless you're Francis Ngannou and now Derek Lewis. So Volkov's run has really just been a sleeper. He's worked his way to number five in the division. He's on a two-fight win streak, and his last bout against Overeem looked the best he's ever looked in his career. Impeccable performance, and that's going to be big motivation, big momentum coming into such a huge fight against Gon here. Because this nope. just maybe could turn into a number one contender fight, just maybe. True. That's a that was a very highly motivated Alistair Overeem too. That was the yeah. guy. That was Overeem who thought he was very close to getting another title shot too. So, um, Bulkov to go in there and look as good as he did uh, really shows some growth there. I will admit. Um, and uh, maybe you're right. Maybe we are overlooking him a little bit in this matchup, and maybe overlooking his resume. Um, I think you know. I I think I've even went out and said maybe before his last fight. That I looked at Volkov in the UFC as a bit of a disappointment. And yet that record says a lot. And even one of those losses was a pretty one-sided 
win up until the last yeah. 10 seconds of the fight when Derek Lewis does Derek Lewis things and puts him to sleep. Yeah. Uh, the Curtis Blades loss was a pretty bad one, but, you know, Curtis Blades does that to people sometimes. Yeah. Um, maybe you're right, but I, I, I think um, Surreal Gone, I think, already has shown me a more complete game than Alexander Volkov. You know, Volkov has some great striking. I would say Surreal Gone, at least on paper, has even more so of an accredited striking game. I mean, the Muay Thai mm. is on another level. It is, it is kicks, especially being right. heavyweight or next level. Which, I mean, Volkov has some really good kicks too. Yeah, we saw that against Walt Harris. Walt Harris, right. However, Surreal Gotten's ground game, I think, is still maybe unproven, but yet he has looked really good anytime he's been there. He's very comfortable. So against a guy like Volkov, who has not looked comfortable when he's been taken to the ground, Curtis yep. Blades fight notwithstanding, I just think that uh, really God has quite an advantage no matter where this fight goes. Does that mean Volkov cannot win this fight? No. No, that's not what that means because Volkov is such a good striker. And really, both these guys, even though I wouldn't call Volkov, he's not necessarily a Muay Thai striker, but their striking resembles each other a lot. Yeah, They're very tall, lanky guys. Great at managing distance. That was what I was going to say. They manage that distance, keep each keep their opponents at range. So now you have a guy who plays to that same type of game plan. What kind of fight are we going to get? Or is Surreal Gone going to look to close that distance and take him down? Because that's where technically his opponent's most vulnerable. Or is he going to be content like he did against Rosenstreich to kind of just if he can if he notices that maybe he has an advantage there in the distance control, is he just going to look to kind of go tip for tap for five rounds and, you know, get a kind of disappointing decision. I think Surreal Gone needs to look for a little bit more in this fight. That Rosenstroke fight, people, it didn't might help think, much. people might not think it, but if he would have went in there and starched Rosenstroke, which is hard to do, I think he could have already skipped this fight and been in line for yeah. the next title fight. Maybe even it passed Derek Lewis for all we know. Yeah, or at the least fighting Derek Lewis. Yes. So I mean, instead he gets this fight with Volkov, another dangerous heavyweight. And to me, if he goes in there and starches Volkov, I'm talking, you know, just runs through him, looks incredible. Yeah. Then I think there's a chance he's jumping John Jones, since John Jones is so on un- such an unknown commodity right now in that heavyweight division might even jump Stipe and get the next title fight. And I, yeah. and I really think that it'd be hard to deny him at that point. But if he goes in there and point fights, and I'm not saying that we should go off of this, but if he goes in there and wins his wins an easy decision or whatever, it's kind of a point fight, you know, not the most exciting bout in the world, then he'll probably have to do another one, whether it's against Stipe or the loser of Nganu. Lewis. I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not exactly sure, but it's, you know, he really needs to look for more here, I think. Well, and I think the same goes now, granted, in terms of if we're going off last performance, Volkov's was way better, more convincing than Gon. But Gon's in the same, or Volkov is in the same boat where he's going to have to come out and potentially make a huge statement, or else he may just have to fight one more. Because uh, sometimes he's came out, point, fought his way to a wins. Other times he's looked incredible. The last two, Walt Harris, and um, I'm blanking for some reason. Who did he just finish? Oh, Al- I already talked about it. Yeah. He's looked incredible. The best we've ever seen of him. So if he can come out and have another performance like that, stop a young stud prospect and gone, could be a title fight just next for Volkov. By the way, two behemoths of men in this fight, because if you thought gone was huge, he's six, five looks like a Greek God. Volkov is six foot seven, but gone has a two inch reach advantage. So there's so many, Interesting factors when this fight is going to be in that stand-up realm. I can't wait to see who's going to exploit the other on the feet. Well said. Let's get into the rest of this card because we have some interesting bouts. Again, you know, not the most stacked fight night in the world, but our co-main event sees a guy I'm a big fan of, Ovid St. Prue, the career light heavyweight, trying to make a jump again after kind of a failed first attempt against uh, Ben Rothwell. Yeah. About that pretty much everybody hated except for me. Except for you, yes. <laughs> uh, he makes his return to the heavyweight division against Tanner Bozer, who is a younger fighter, but more um, – he's he's a lot less uh, 
well experienced, but also uh, he's just a he's a bit shaky. Let's put it that. He way. literally just fought like two weeks ago, by the way. <laughs> he did fight pretty recently, didn't he? Um, he's not been the most consistent heavyweight. That's what I'm trying to get at here. So does Ovid St. Prue in the second shot at heavyweight, you know, do you see maybe him making any more noise than he did the first time? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, this is definitely, I guess, a step down from a guy like Ben Rothwell, but at the same time, it's not because Bozo's a guy that's going to come out and grind you on the feet, on the ground. He started three and one in the UFC. He's lost two in a row. But OSP's coming in off of that knockout loss as well, plus back up at heavyweight, where I didn't think he looked that great to begin with. I will say the experience is huge in favor of OSP. He's been in there and done that. He's fought for a title, for God's sake, in the UFC. I don't know, man. OSP just didn't impress me much in that fight with Rothwell. I know you like that fight more. But Bozer's just a guy that I think stylistically might just – get the advantage everywhere. I know OSP's a great striker, has slept on submissions. The Von Prue choke, it should be named after him at this point. Um, but I think Bozer really has to come out and make a statement because if he loses, I think he's getting cut. This is the last fight on his contract. It would be three in a row. Motivation-wise, I think Bozer's going to come in and look to absolutely bulldoze OSP. I don't know if it's a good matchup for him. That's an interesting perspective. I will say, even though I like the – OSP Rothwell fight. I recognize that really neither guy necessarily looked good coming out of that. I just thought it was kind of a fun, sloppy fight. But OSP, especially his cardio, looked terrible. Yeah. For a guy who's never really struggled in a cardio department. Yeah. I mean, we've seen him go five rounds. Yet at heavyweight, he just looked terrible, terribly gassed, which tells me maybe he was a little in over his head at the time making the jump. Um, Didn't really know how to, how to go that distance with that kind of weight Carrying on the weight. Yeah. So maybe he does here, but it feels like he just fought not too long ago as well. So I would be hard pressed to think that the difference is going to be too much from the first time he went, but Tanner Bozer is very inconsistent. Sometimes he looks like a heavyweight prospect. You know, that I remember when we were starting this podcast, he was very much looked at as a he was prospect. in the rankings and everything. And yet, and yet less than a year later, He's kind of been written off just because some of his performances have been, eh. Well, and he's in these split decisions, too, yeah. where nothing decisive happens, so he yeah. leaves himself out to dry on the judges' scorecards. It's just Good point. Yeah. He's really treading water, you know. He's just yeah. really – he's in that 16 to 20 range of heavyweight, and he's just not moving forward, backward, nowhere. He's just right there. So uh, this fight with OSP should answer maybe more questions than we think. Um about either guy, really, the yeah. loser of this, but about even might if Bozer, yeah, even if Bozer loses, that might be it for him for a while because it's just not been a great go of things the past year or so. Um, however, this next fight, I think we're going to be a little bit higher on. Oh, oh, let me get up in the seat a little bit here. Go fight ahead, of the, fight of the night, pick, correct? This is the fight we, of the night of UFC Vegas 30, yes, Andre Touchy Feely going up against Daniel Pineda with the hundred percent finishing rate in his yeah. wins. Dominic, you wrote an entire article about this that you can find if you go to Overtime Heroics on Twitter, Instagram. True. They have an Instagram, right? They do have an Instagram, yes. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you'll find links on there. If you go to Dominic's personal Twitter or to Below Average Joe's Twitter, you'll see it being shared around. He wrote an article previewing this very fight, so I'm going to let you really set the scene for the viewers. I was salivating at the bit when I saw that this got announced for the main card. I wanted that article so bad. I just Mm -hmm. think these guys are never in boring fights. And I love just the stories for both guys because Andre Filu, we've kind of seen like grow up in the UFC. I mean, he came in in 2013, which is crazy. He was only 23. Now he's 30 years old and he's already got 16 fights in the UFC at such a young age. He's been in there with literally – Straight killers. Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez, Bryce Mitchell was his last fight. He's fought Sadiq Youssef. I mean, Calvin Cater. He's been in there and done it with all of them. Now, granted, those guys are all losses. He's never steering away from any sort of fight. He does not back down. He keeps trucking forward. I also want to make a fun note. He's coming in off of a loss, like I said, to Bryce Mitchell. That was a fun fight, too, by the way, where we really got to see Bryce Mitchell get tested. He's never lost back-to-back fights in the UFC, Noah, so... 
we'll see if that um, I'm blanking on words, but if that formula carries over, if he's going to bounce back with a win for Pineda, this guy at one point started two and in the UFC way back in 2012, then lost four out of five, got cut from the promotion and had to go and fight 12 other fights before getting back in. Then he comes back and destroys Herbert Burns in that return fight. At, uh, what was that? 252, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, but then in his last one with Cub Swanson, back and forth brawl, inevitably gets finished. But this guy, as Noah mentioned, 100% finish rate. He has 27 wins, 9 KOs, 18 submissions. This dude does nothing but finish fights or get finished. And I think that's how this fight's going to be. Someone is getting finished. I don't know who. The I think the pacing and output is going to be crazy from Feely, really using his movement and his athleticism. Pineda has the one-punch power to really put you to sleep. If they grapple, I'm very intrigued to see how it goes because Andre is a great wrestler. But Pineda, we see the guy stand and bang with a lot of people. 18 submissions. He's got some tricks up his sleeve. I Everywhere this fight goes, I'm just so ecstatic to see how it plays out. I can't wait. Both these guys' ground games, I think, are very underrated. And, yep. Uh, I guess in this fight – I just look for output, like you said. I look for a very high level of output. And I look for it to be a bit chaotic. I mean, both these yeah. guys have some really good technique in different aspects of MMA, but I could see all that going out the window once these guys punch each other in the face. I think this is going to be a really fun fight um, for as long as it goes. The winner is going to probably come out of here looking pretty good. Uh, the loser – might I don't know? It's just tough because when you get in these like almost like a sloppy fun fight where it's like mm-hmm. you know technique might go out the window. You know, guys just taking damage, put, yeah, and- taking damage and just throwing as much as they can at the other. You know, I would like to think the loser could maybe come out of that looking okay, but you never know. So I think it's definitely more interesting to me on the feet. On the ground, I think it's very close, which maybe that does make it more interesting. I don't know. They're both underrated on the ground. So, but I, I on the feet, I'm more interested because I think the majority of this fight will be fought there. The fire fight, and I, and I don't see a clear advantage on the feet for either one of these guys. You would think it'd be Pineda due to that finishing ability, but Feely has looked really good at times on the feet, and I think Andre Feely is still growing in this yeah, sport. I think I he's still getting say. better. He's very much still got a lot of potential. He's not reached his full potential. And a guy like uh, Pineda, I think maybe has is fighting at the best you'll see him fight right now. Yeah. So that, that leads into the intrigue because I think if Feely reaches his full potential, then he should win this fight. But I don't know if he's there yet. You yeah. Know, he wasn't there in his last fight. I agree. Uh, last one to talk about on this card on the uh, prelims. I just wanted to make note about this one because we got a very high level prospect to talk about, and that's Shavrat Rock Shavat, mm-hmm. excuse me, Rachmanov going up against Michelle Prezeras. Uh, Shavrat Shabbat <laughs> Shabbat Rachmanov uh, is 13 and 0. Yeah, uh, looks like an absolute savage. I just wanted to make a note of him to let everybody know to keep a lookout if you're watching lower on these prelims. Uh, Michelle Prezeras, good fighter, but coming off a loss. Uh, Rachmanov, this should be a showcase for him, but you never know. And, um, you know, for all the hype that a guy like Hamzat is getting, I think this guy has done it, has more of a resume than Hamzat at this point. So uh, this is a guy that I think you're going to start hearing more and more about as time goes on. Any thoughts on this one, Dom? Well, yeah, I mean, Shavska, Shavska, I'm just going to say Rachmanov. Shavad. Yeah. I'm just going to say uh, Rachmanov. Uh, like you said, he's undefeated. But not only that, Noah, he has a 100% finish rate as well. Yep. Seven KOs, six submissions. His Literally, this is going to be a second UFC fight. His debut was against Alex Cowboy mm-hmm. Oliveira, and he finished him. His debut fight. So he's mm-hmm. literally fighting back here. But this is a huge, huge prospect that not a lot of people are, you know, maybe even aware of right now, flying super under the radar. He's buried on the prelims here as well, but undefeated, 100% finish rate. Michelle, he's a low-key, like, great – he's 10-3 and three in the UFC, and he's finished a lot of fights as well. He is older, though, 39 years old to 26 years old uh, for Makmanov, and there's a six-inch height advantage 
and a 10-inch reach advantage for Rachmanov. So all flags are pointing toward the young, undefeated prospect. But going up against a seasoned veteran, you just never know. It's true. That's true. All right. Just wanted to make a note of that one. Didn't want to go too in detail on it, but you guys will see. We'll talk about it on Monday if he inevitably uh, dominates like I foresee him doing. But uh, that's going to wrap it up here for our weekend preview show. My computer is about to die, so we're just going to zoom through this. But next week, Monday, obviously, we'll have the uh, MMA weekend recap. Uh, Wednesday will be a special episode. We'll see what it is. Um, We'll see about Friday. There's no major events going on uh, uh, next weekend. So we'll have to see on that one. If there's enough news, maybe we'll uh, still do something. But uh, TBD. TBA. TBD, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Dominic, tell the people where they can find you on social media. And if I log out before you you finish, you have to wrap it up. Fair enough. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at DSLEE14. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NTBaker underscore. Uh, in my bio on both of those, there's a link to the link tree. has all of our platforms that we're on, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, the YouTube channel links on there. Anchor page, there's a couple links on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast or if you want to leave voice messages, make full use of those. Again, you can find those on my in my bio on Twitter, Instagram, at ntbaker underscore, but that's it. We're out. We'll see y'all on Monday.